1999, uh, there's a group called Semisonic that sang a song called Closing Time. Uh, maybe that sounds familiar to some of you. Um, and one of the lines in that song says, every new beginning from, comes from some other beginning's end. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Uh, and I would submit to you that that's what these scripture lessons are about today. That there's a new beginning coming. But it's going to come from a different beginning's end. In other words, this world, this order that we live in is going to end. And then there's going to be a new beginning. So in Amos, we read about the day of the Lord, right? I mean, those, those were some words, the day of the Lord. Uh, uh, talking about judgment day. You know, it's a stiff warning uh, about going through the motions that look like faith, that look like worship, but in the end don't really flow from faith and don't really change our lives. And then the reading from First Thessalonians, a word of hope. A word of hope because they were fearful um, that if you're not alive, when Jesus comes back, what does that mean for you? you know, and, and Apostle Paul writes to them and says, this is what it means. It means you're going to be raised from the dead. You know, we're all going to be there in Jesus' presence. And you know, don't, don't be fearful. You know, so it talks about resurrection and it talks about rapture. This day that we are all swept up into God's presence, into Jesus' presence to escort him as he comes to back down to earth. And he says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another that this order will end and a new order will begin. One that begins in holiness and in Christ's presence. And then Matthew 25. We're going to be spending the next three weeks reading Matthew 25, one parable at a time. And in Matthew 25, we read this account of the ten virgins. And there's a warning there, isn't it? We've heard it multiple times. You don't know the day or the hour. And therefore, we need to be prepared. Prepared for what? Prepared for that day that, that Jesus returns. Prepared for that last day. Prepared for the judgment. Now, at the heart of all these readings is a longing for an eternal hope. And I'm going to go back to that song again, closing time. There, there's a line in there that gets repeated over and over again. And it says, I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. And just over and over again, he, he, he says that, that line. Um, and, and I think that in the end, when, when all of this ends, I think between us here, we could say, I know who I want to take me home. I know that when, when, when all of this ends, I want Jesus to be the one that, that takes me home. And I, I, you know, looking out here, I'm like, you know, that's what these people are hoping for, too. That when Jesus comes back, he's going to keep that promise that he made to the disciples toward the end of John, where he says, if I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, that where I am, you may be also. And as we're called to faith, as we're called to hope in Christ, Jesus speaks of this as being called into the kingdom. 
that when he comes to take us home, that this has something to do with the kingdom of heaven. And remember that when Jesus came into the earth, his very first message is, the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent and believe the good news. And and he's talking about how how God's righteousness and, and, and God's grace has come, and it comes to us as a gift. And that's good news. That the kingdom of heaven is that that gracious work of God to redeem sinners, a.k.a. you and me. And the kingdom of heaven has come. And that is a a sure and a solid gift. And, And we say, thanks be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for the kingdom coming and and rescuing us from sin and from death. And so through Jesus' ministry, he tells these parables about the kingdom of heaven. And over and over again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who goes out and sows seeds. It's planting and growing. It's, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that gathers all kinds of fish in it. Then the angels come and they sort it. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field. And so he went and he sold everything that he had in order to purchase that field. And over and over again, it's the kingdom of heaven is like. But maybe you noticed in our reading today, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Verb tenses matter, don't they? So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven has come. And that is the faith that you have in Jesus. It's this new life that's already at work in you. It is salvation through his death and resurrection. It is forgiveness and the promise of resurrection. All of those things are yours. It is grace. This attitude that God has toward you where he looks at you in love, even though it's completely undeserved. The kingdom of heaven has come. But the kingdom of heaven will come. There will be a last day when all of the brokenness of this world, where all of the chaos, all of the the sickness, the illness, the the hurt, the the confusion, uh, it, it all gets swept away. And we look forward to that day. You know, we live in the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of heaven comes and, and we can't see it. I'm talking about this life. Can you see faith? I mean, you can see actions that, you know, maybe are encouraged by faith, but you can't see what's going on in a person's heart. The kingdom of heaven comes, and, and, and we don't observe that with our eyes. We receive it by faith. But a day is going to come when the kingdom of heaven will come and all people will see. They'll see Jesus returning with the angels and the archangels. They're going to hear that trumpet cry and it's going to be visible and obvious to us, to all people. The kingdom of heaven will be seen and the kingdom of this world is going to be swept away and the kingdom of Christ will be established in a visible, eternal way. And that's Judgment Day. Or, as Amos says, 
the day of the Lord. And just like Amos, what Jesus says about the coming of this kingdom, it's kind of harsh. Don't make any bones about it. I mean, Amos talks about the day of the Lord. He says, the day of the Lord is darkness. It's not light. He says, the day of the Lord is like you're going down the street and you run into a lion. So you run away from the lion, but then you meet a bear. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Or the day of the Lord is like you met that lion and you ran from the bear as well. And you got into your house and you're safe. And you put your hand on the wall and you get bit by a snake. That's the day of the Lord. In other words, there is no escape. There is no escape from this judgment that we can contrive in and of ourselves. It's a very hopeless image. And we need somebody to come and to rescue us from this day of the Lord. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. And Jesus is dealing with the same theme as he tells this story about ten virgins. Now, I've got to pause on that because when we hear the word virgin, well, we think sex. And that really has nothing to do with the story. The word literally means a, a young lady of marrying age. And it would be expected that they would be saving themselves for marriage. But the idea is you've you got ten young ladies looking forward to getting married someday. And uh, five of them are foolish. They have no common sense. And five of them are wise. And there are a couple of different words for wise in Greek. And this is the one that basically means they had a good head on their shoulders. And that's evidenced by the fact that they brought lamps, right? Um, The other day, the power went out in our house and I pulled out the old oil lamp and and set it up and lit it in our our, our kitchen. You know, if it doesn't have oil, guess what's not going to happen? It's not going to burn. So five of them have lamps with no oil. Five of them have lamps with oil thinking. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to show up. And and there's a little bit of a cultural thing that's going on here. Um, You know, I did a wedding yesterday. It was at one o'clock on the dot. That's not how it worked in that culture. Um, I've experienced this in Haiti. There was a wedding one time when we were down there. It was supposed to be at four. Nobody was there at four. I'm like, well, when's the wedding? Oh, when they get here. Oh, okay. And that's kind of the idea here, that the wedding happens when the wedding party arrives. And so there's this anticipation, there's this waiting, there's this this hubbub, and there's this celebration, and and they're waiting for the, the moment to come. And late in the night, the cry comes, the bridegroom is coming, the wedding's going to happen. And the foolish ones realize, my lamp's not going to burn without any oil. And so they look at the wise and go, hey, you've got oil. Give us some. But these ladies are wise. They've got a good head on their shoulders and they recognize, um, if we give you our oil, we won't have any for ourselves. There won't be enough. So what you need to do actually is go buy oil, which is what you should have done in the first place, 
and then come back. And so they go running off and they go to buy oil and the wedding party arrives. And these five young ladies, the wise ones, they go in. And then the doors are locked. And the five foolish ladies are locked out. Knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Let us in, let us in. We got our oil, we, we came. And what's the response? I don't know you. You know, it's really tempting when you read these parables to, to go through and, and um, to treat them like an allegory where, you know, this stands for this and that stands for that. And, and, and some of the parables do that, and Jesus explains that. But it, apart from Jesus explaining it, anytime somebody goes through and, and they start talking about what this means and that means, um, it's all debatable. But one thing is very clear in the story. The foolish girls did not get in. There is no God of second chances in this story. There is no God who closes the door but opens a window. In this story, there are no second chances. And God locks the doors and bolts the windows. The end. Why would Jesus tell such a parable? I mean, he's very clear that he wants all people to be saved. In 1 Timothy, we hear through the Holy Spirit, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And Jesus says that he is that truth. And the truth of the matter is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father apart from him. You know, we might say, I know who I want to take me home. But the reality is we know who we need to take us home. In Acts, it says there is no other name given under heaven, given among mankind by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And Jesus came to bring this salvation to sinners. The kingdom of heaven has come. And that's good news. There's life and salvation in Jesus. There's grace and peace. And he wants to be the one that brings you home on the last day. But Jesus does not want to be your plan B. You know, where you kind of keep him at a distance until the 11th hour. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to get my life in order, get myself together so I can go be with Jesus. He's the bridegroom that is coming to bring us into his celebration. And he says, wait for me, watch for me, be ready for my return. Live each day by faith, actually prepared that one day he's going to split the sky and there's going to be a great cry and he will come for us. And in the meantime, People look for what, they, what they, they, they think they need in this world. And they buy what the world is selling and get locked out of the real celebration. So Jesus tells the story to scare, 
to shock, to get your attention. Why? Because he came to save you. He's coming to take you home. He doesn't want you to get so wrapped up in this that you forget that he is coming. He has come to save you. He wants to take you home. So so we give thanks to Jesus for his salvation. And we watch for the bridegroom to come. And we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.